Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome to another episode of Four Down Territory. I'm your host, Luke Easterling, alongside Doug Farrar, as always. And Doug, no NFL offseason. We are uh, headlong into draft season now, and we've got the NFL Scouting Combine coming up in Indianapolis this coming week. I know you will be there. Uh, a lot of other people will be there watching all the action. Uh, and this is really where the rubber starts to meet the road with the draft prospects, yeah. right? They have a chance to, to show off the athleticism. They have the interviews and the medical checks and everything. This is really where we start to figure out a lot about these prospects. What are you looking forward to most about being an Indy this week? Oh, well, I, I missed the last two because of uh, COVID concerns. So I'm just looking forward to being in the room Tuesday and Wednesday, the coaches and GMs. I mean, there's no other place where you can get that many coaches and GMs in one place. It's kind of a just a grab bag. And then you get to talk to the prospects. You can start to put your – I mean, I've always said, and this is my 15th combine, hashtag old – um, you can you can get three months of content out of that one week. So I'm just looking forward to immersing myself in a total football experience the whole time. Um, media will be able to go into the stadium for all the drills, which is not – I mean, you, you could go with the quarterback drills before. Now it's everything because it's all prime time and, you know, they want people in there covering it. So it's a different experience. But yeah, the thing I look for, most forward to is just – Getting that, you know, confirming my priors or getting new information on the guys I've already watched and sort of pushing it forward from there. It's the whole thing is just it's a tremendous week. And if you if you wanted to choose from a content experience between a combine and a Super Bowl, you get a hundred times more stuff from the combine than any Super Bowl. It's just a it's a whole different experience. It's true, Doug. Well, let's dive right into it with these prospects, right? We've got the combine. It's going to be a week long, the biggest job interview in the game, right? So we get a much better look at all these prospects. I know we don't have pads on. I know it's not real football, you know, so to speak. But of the prospects in this particular class, the ones that will be there in Indy, there's over 300 players that are going to be there. Who is most dependent on having a good week there in Indy? Who needs this in order to kind of solidify themselves as a, as a top tier pick, a first round pick or wherever they're at in their class? Who really needs to knock this out of the park this week? Right. And when we talk about this, it's not just as you as you intimated, it's not just the on field stuff. It's the 15 minutes where you get the player in the room. You can you know, have them draw stuff up on the whiteboard and say, what were you thinking? They'll use tape examples and they'll go, you know, what was the process here? I think Kentucky quarterback Will Levis is going to have to really impress in the interview rooms. Because if and when he throws during the drills, he'll look great because he has all the tools. He, he, that's where all the Josh Allen comparisons come from. But when he sits down with GMs and coaches and scouts in those 15-minute interviews, they're going to ask him about a series of decisions, and you've seen them too, on the field that have ranged from weird to completely just bizarrely head-scratching, like, what on earth were you doing? And it's why I can't really get my arms around him. I, I mean, I... I'm in my first top 50, I had him in the 20s 
because of positional value. I struggled to give him a second round grade. I, I've told you this before. Yeah, um, he didn't have the best supporting cast last season, and I'm not implying that he'll blame anyone else for the else for the hiccups in Kentucky's passing game, but it will be absolutely tremendously crucial for Levis to not only explain what went wrong in all those plays, but also to get into what he's working on uh, in the offseason to sort of correct all that stuff. If he nails it in the interviews, that's going to be a lot more important for him than what he does on uh, on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium because we all know he can throw the ball. We just don't really know where. So that's going to be big for him. What about you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Levis is really the the, the best one. And, and I think, like you said, it's, it's going to be more about what are you doing to fix these things because that was the book on him going into the season, right? We had all these same questions. He really didn't answer any of them this season. Not a lot right? of development, which is worrisome. That was the problem, and that's why when you compare him to Anthony Richardson, I feel like that's why I'm more comfortable with Richardson because we did see that progression, and I think he does have a little bit more upside in terms of his physical tools. I, I like Richardson a bit more because we saw that progression. He was he had a rough start to the season, but he got better. I think Levis has more work to do than Richardson does to kind of convince teams on and off the field that he can be their guy, especially if we're talking top five, top ten. But if I had to pick somebody else, I'd say Quentin Johnston, man. The TCU wide receiver, you look at the top of this receiver class, and – Feels like kind of log jam, but a lot of these guys are smaller, right? Johnston is the one who has the 6'4", 215 frame. He's the one that can separate himself. But I feel like up to this point, we're kind of assuming he will be the athlete we expect him to be, right? We assume he's going to test really well for being that size, right? So we can deal with kind of the the rawness in his game, the lack of a, a developed route tree. There's some of those other things. But if he doesn't run well, if he doesn't look good in those cone drills and the short shuttles and those things where he has to, to move in a short area, it's going to be easy for him to slide a bit because I feel like there's just so many receivers in this draft who maybe don't have the size but have everything else to a degree that more and more teams are going to be like, you know what, I know he's 6'4", but so many of these other guys are going to be pro-ready, they're going to be polished, they're going to make an immediate impact, and I just don't know if he's athletic enough to make up for that. So he's going to have to show out. He's going to have to put up the numbers at that size that we hope and expect from him if he wants to be in that conversation to be the number one receiver off the board. He's going to be great for sure. I think on about half the routes that quarterbacks throw at the combine during the drills, like, you know, uh, slant, screen, go post over, the stuff he ran at TCU, he'll be fine. But it's those, you know, the short movement routes. And the key for him will be the gauntlet. We had eight drops last season. The hands are not – it's like, like Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee, who's another speed receiver, he, great hands. You know, you wonder about the routes yep. and all that. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Hyatt later right. on in this Ford on territory. But, um, yeah, it's, the, it's the, the drills that expose a suddenness or a lack thereof that will be crucial for him. So, you know, we talked about some big name guys. What, who are some lesser known guys? And among them, you know, give me the name that you think will blow it up, will impress people, kind of become a household name at the Combine that going into this week, nobody's really talking about much. Luke, I'm here to announce my draft crush, my draft whoopee of 2023, and that would be Pitt defensive lineman Kalaja Kansi, who excelled at six foot zero oh and 280 pounds. If, you, if you've read any of my stuff over the years, I have a thing for undersized defensive tackles who just attack everyone, and this is the guy. This is – you know, the automatic is, oh, undersized defensive tackle from Pitt, so is he Aaron Donald? Well, nobody's right. – Aaron Donald is from a different planet. Um, but if you if you were able to combine Grady Jarrett and Geno Atkins, I think yes. that would be a pretty good comp. And that's not bad. That, you, you can get a lot nope, of stuff. Done. No, I'll take that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's okay. Um, he's a defender with an assassin's mentality, which makes me think he's going to be really violent in the bag drills. He's going to leave dents on those bags. And he's quick and agile enough to ace the 40, especially now offensive and defensive linemen. The 40, eh. The 10 and 20-yard splits, huge. I think he's going to nail those. All the movement exercises, W drills, whatever he runs, because I know some defensive linemen also run the linebacker drills, and it just depends on what you want to do. Right. Um, I don't know if anything will push him into the first round because of his size. Some teams will have no idea what to do with him. Um, I remember some defensive coordinators and some coaches when Aaron Donald came out saying, well, we run a 3-4 and I can't put him in because he's the wrong size. How do you think that worked out for those guys? Uh, some yeah. of them are not in the league anymore, and maybe that's why. But right. as they say, all it takes is one team to make it a reality. I think if he blows it up the combine, some team in the bottom half of the first round is going to go, hmm, maybe he's it. Maybe maybe he's the one. Maybe he can kind of redefine our defensive line. Yeah, I love Kansi. I think he's I think he's one of the most fun prospects in this draft, right? Yeah. Because you do talk about the uniqueness of his frame. But it's, it, I feel about him almost like I feel about Bryce Young, right? Like it's just like everything else is so good and so fun yep. that I'll figure it out. I don't, I don't care. I'll deal with that later. And, again, there is the, – the comparisons are too lofty, right? But there's some precedent, right? There's some precedent for a guy when everything else is there. Being six foot instead of six two doesn't, doesn't really matter that much. So I, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to take a couple of guys because there's just too many guys in this category that I like, right? I, mentioned I know the you first before. one is your draft will be – I know that for sure. Yep, yep. Julius Brent's the corner from uh, Kansas State. You know that I'm a sucker for big corners, long arms, athleticism. The thing that stood out to me the most about Julius Brent, particularly at the Senior Bowl, he was running routes for receivers yes. at 6'3", 200 plus, right? The, the focus, watching hips instead of feet, instead of the, the head fakes, you know, moving in and out of breaks and getting to the spot before the receiver did to the point. He had one rep where the quarterback didn't even throw the ball. Because he was he was there instead of the receiver. So when you have a guy with that much size, that much length and athleticism, I feel like he can go into the combat. If he runs as well as I hope he will and looks good enough in those quickness drills, the short area stuff, and looks like he did during the week in, in the senior bowl, I feel like that's the type of guy corners like that just don't they don't do that at that size, right? So he's a guy that I think can move up the board. Drew Sanders, linebacker from uh, from Arkansas, was a five star recruit at Alabama, transferred to Arkansas. He's an off-ball guy. He can play edge. He's got ridiculously long arms. He's he's a Colts linebacker. If you go back and look at what Chris Ballard wants out of that position, right, he always wants tall, lengthy, rangy, athletic linebackers. That's what this guy is. He can clog plat- passing lanes with those those long arms like a basketball player, basically, if you're playing zone. Um, but Drew Sanders can rush the passer. You can do so many things with him that I feel like if he tests out as the athlete, we kind of seen him be throughout his career and what made him such a great recruit. Uh, he's a guy that I feel like will we'll fly up the board as well. And the other guy's Keon White, who we've mentioned before from Georgia Tech, 6'5", 280 plus, interior edge, can move him all around. He can drop and cover at that size, which is just ridiculous. He's another guy that I think will 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 put up times that when you put him next to his size, you're like, how in the world can someone at that size move like this and move so quickly? Those three guys I think should have big weeks. Yeah, Sanders is. I don't want to say Micah Parsons because that's another alien. You don't compare. Right, but the usage, right? The potential to move him around and have that kind of impact is there. So I would say maybe Devin White in in that realm where you can put him on the edge, you can put him at second level, you can Will or Sam or Edge. He's got it, and that's really cool. Yeah, um, Keon White, we, we know this, former tight end at Old Dominion. And I want to see him in the drop back drills because this guy was covering tight ends up to shoot 30 yards downfield. And he's going to freak some people out with what he can do. I mocked him. Uh, this is Saturday morning. We're taping this. 
uh, my latest mock draft, I had him to the Seahawks at 20. I mean, I, I think he will go in the first round, absolutely. And, it, you know, Seahawks might have to trade up if they want him if he has a combine. I think he will. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he could easily be in that Lucas Van Ness, you know, top 15 or, or higher range if he, if he tests out the way we expect. So um, we talked about it earlier. It's not just the off-field, uh, the on-field stuff, right? It's the, the medicals and, and the interviews, specifically in the medical, in the medical tent of this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Who needs to cement their standing? Who needs to, to answer some questions and, and alleviate some concerns with the medical process in Indy, who's mo- who is that most important for uh, this week? Uh, Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith comes to mind. I think you know he doesn't. I think it was a pec injury. If he doesn't have that, he's he's coming in that, as that kind of Hassan Reddick type that can just you know in the five man fronts that are becoming more popular in the NFL. You put mm-hmm. him on the edge of that as the end ed- backer. And he's just going to waste people. So we'll see how that goes. But I have to go with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Before Hooker suffered that torn ACL last November, he was my QB3 behind Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Nothing since then has really moved me off that post. I mean, I've watched a lot of Levis. I've watched Richardson. I've watched a bunch of guys. Hooker's my QB3. That deep ball. That deep ball, man. Maybe the best deep ball in the class. You know, everyone's saying, oh, Josh Hoople's offense just gave him like, well, yeah, there was also some crappy coverage, but there's enough as far as throwing into tight windows and what he's really good at, throwing receivers open. He throws with really good anticipation. He's got it in the head, in the arm, in the feet, the mobility. Um, If he checks out medically, I I still think he's a second-round pick. He has a bright future as a potential franchise quarterback in the right system. Um, You know, and the spread thing, a lot of NFL defenses look to spread defenses out as well. So I think people overcook that thinking it's still like 2005. It's not. Right, it, right. You know? <laughs> Andy Reid's been running spread for 10 years. He's had spread consultants. He's you know, brought in Chris Salt and all these other guys. So I think, you know, if, if Hooker checks out medically, um, he won't, you know, he showed up at the senior bowl. He'll show up here. He won't be able to do anything. But I think if he checks out medically and ACL, you know, recoveries aren't what they used to be in a good way, I think he goes in the mid to early second round because I think that he's that good a quarterback. Yeah, I think he's that good a quarterback. And it's just we talked about it earlier. The position is just too important, right? If, if you think he's worth a third, he's worth a second because it's too important to hit on that guy. I think the biggest thing for him is because he'll be a 25-year-old rookie, right? I feel like the medicals are so important because if you can get comfortable with that, I think mm-hmm. the tape is great. And so as long as you're comfortable with the fact that, yeah, he's 25, but if he ends up being the guy, you're still paying him a second contract at 30, which is the new 25 in terms of NFL quarterbacks now. It feels like they're playing at such a well, high level for so long now. Just to, just to interject, the, the point I'll make is my comp for him is latter-day Geno Smith. And Geno didn't have the light go on until he was past 30. So, yep. you know, you, you think the Seahawks are worried about how old he is? You, no, I, I agree. In today's NFL, you structure quarterback contracts in in bunches of like four to five years. You're not thinking 15. You're not thinking 10. And I think more teams are going to, you know, kick it down the road and bring in different guys in ways they hadn't before. So I don't think the age is nearly as big a concern as it was even five years ago. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and to touch on Nolan Smith real quick, because I, I think yeah. he is absolutely the other guy, because when he was healthy before his injury, he was having a similar impact, but on, on the other side of the ball, right? I mean, what is he listed at 
six three two thirty five or something like that. So maybe uh, he's 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 light, man. <laughs> he's thin. So we'll see what the official. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, right? And especially you're gonna have to work back after an injury like that, and and depending on how you know how it impacts your ability to keep weight on and stuff like that, it's gonna be interesting to see that. But man, when healthy, you turn on the tape and see what the impact he can make. You get Hassan Reddick, great comparison. Once he finally got in the right role. Um, how dominant he could be. Nolan Smith could absolutely be that guy. Um, and late first, I don't, I don't think should be out of the question. Even at a deep edge class, if he slides to the, to the top of the second round, I don't think he'll last long. Well, here's the thing about Smith is after he got hurt, and we talk about the interviews, teams will be like doing cartwheels because he was a coach on – you know this. He was a coach on the field. After he yeah. got hurt, he stuck around and told Kirby Smart, hey, I'm here to help. And he just – he – he kept everyone together and helped as much as he could to, to get that second championship, which he helped do. So yeah. it's it's not just the on-field stuff, which is impressive enough. That guy, his mind, his heart, his will to win, from what I've seen, he, he will, he'll do so much in those interviews to really boost his stock. All right, let, let's finish this up. Regardless of whether or not a player needs to have a big week at Indy, right? There are just some guys that no matter what, we're expecting them to go in and just blow it up, right? There's yeah. like, just go in and, and put on a show. Who is that guy for you this week that you just, you can't wait to see him because you just know he's going to jump out of the gym and, and, and blow it up. We will continue the Tennessee portion of our program with, uh, I don't know what drills Jalen Hyatt's going to run, but based on his tape, man, <laughs> I think four, if, if he trips, he could still run a four, four forty. Uh, his 10 and 20 yard splits will be insane. Uh, he's, as I mentioned, he's a better catcher of the ball than a lot of people think. So the gauntlet drill is, you know, the knock on Hyatt is that he's not running a bunch of routes, but the routes he runs last season, he caught 14 passes of 20 more air yards on 24 targets for 677 yards and eight touchdowns for those scoring at home. That's 48.4 yards per deep reception. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. I think it's a little bit good. Uh, I think he will take all ex- explosive athleticism onto the field at Lucas Oil, and it'll make him a late first-round pick. In fact, in my latest mock, and the rest of the NFL would hate this, I put him up with the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. That hurts. I, I think there's too many teams on the back half of that first round that need that guy, too. If you look at uh, you look at the Giants, you look at the Chargers, you look at the Ravens, again, the yeah. Chiefs there. I, I don't think the Bengals would be put off from taking a receiver, a yep. big play receiver that late in the first round. There's too many guys. And I know there's a lot of receivers in that range, too, that could go, say, Flowers, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I like Tyler Scott from Cincinnati a lot, actually. Yep. Um, maybe even in that range, it might seem a little high. But Hyatt, Hyatt is probably one of the more polished guys. And he's big enough, right? He's bigger than some of those other guys. Josh Downs from North Carolina. I think it would be in that conversation as well. But uh, for me, I can't wait to see Tyree Wilson, man, edge <laughs> defender from uh, from Texas Tech, 6'6", 275. Uh, and again, just does things at that size that no no human being should be able to do. I always say guys like that are the reason that I quit playing football and started writing about it and talking about it because I played I played quarterback. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that I, I don't uh, do that for a living and run away from guys that big. So he should put on a show. He should whatever drills they want to put him through outside linebacker, drop in pass rushing. You can move him all over the defense at that size. If we if he tests the way we expect, it's it's going to be the Tyree Wilson show all week. And the thing is, more and more, like I know Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, we all know move the sticks. We all respect his opinion. He's already gotten Wilson ahead of Will Anderson. That's already started. So if he yep. does one of those Don Terry Poe, you know, uh, Vernon Davis combines, it, I mean, he could be. Yeah, it, it's a Vince be, Carter. That would be a Vince Carter performance. It's could you leapfrog even Jalen Carter, who I think we both agree is the best prospect in this class. That that's That's what he's got on the line. So it'll be fascinating. 
Yep, it will be fascinating. We can't wait for all the action. Uh, again, it's it's just always a fun week for the media, for the players, for the teams. There's so much going on down there in India. Hope you have a safe trip and a great time, Doug. Same for everybody who's going to be there. We thank you, the NFL fans, for joining us every week uh, on a Four Down Territory, and we can't wait to wrap it up, recap the combine and all the action, and get you ready for the draft next week. Thanks so much. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.